You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. So today we are finishing off our Severance series uh, or season one review by reviewing episodes eight and nine. Finally. Yeah, this is a long time coming and we know we've uh, probably dragged some of you through it, but uh, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming uh, next week. But uh, thank you very much for listening so far. And we'd love to get into our final thoughts on the last two episodes of the series. Of the season, of the season, because we know it's coming back. Yes, yes, that's true. That's true. So Ben Stiller directed these last two episodes. I think he's accountable for about five of the nine or maybe six of the nine. Uh, So it's very much his series, which is pretty cool because I think most people probably wouldn't say, oh, I watched Severance and that's such a Ben Stiller type of thing. Um, So it's pretty cool that he's branching out. Obviously, he has a very he had a very specific vision for this. And I'm not sure if Severance was a completely original series or if it was based off of some adaptation of something or if it's some adaptation of something. But um, yeah, now that we've seen the full picture, I'm very curious to hear what you think. So we're going to start with episode eight, which is uh, titled What's for Dinner? So things are obviously heating up around here. And uh, Irving, uh, who often goes to optics and design, um, it shows more about his Audi. He pretty much uh, comes home every single night and listens to Ace of Spades while wildly painting a canvas uh, with just black paint. And uh, we're not entirely sure what that's about, but it reveals a little bit more about him and uh, sort of what he does. And he discovers a lot of what's going on on the um, on the uh, outside, I suppose. But additionally, this one is pretty big because, well, macro data ends up meeting their quota. Heli ends up doing that for them after doing zero work for the entire uh, mm. season. But uh, for some for some reason, she's able to finally do it after perhaps touching a computer once per episode. But that's a that's a conversation for another day, I suppose. Um, Mrs. Cobell, uh, who is or sorry, Mrs. Selvig actually gets fired in this episode too. Um, and I think that's because she, uh, she hid the details of Heli's, um, you know, life ending attempt in the elevator. And so the board finds out about that. And then basically it's just like, you know, you're fired immediately. And so we begin to wonder, is this because the board actually cares about the new employee or is there something else with Heli that is perhaps, um, not revealed yet that we need to know about and um, we actually do learn much more about that in the following episode but well what did you think of this episode overall episode eight um uh, you we know that most of the episodes for me have been lackluster slow moving Mm -hmm. i think fundamentally and you know there's going to be we're going to have a conversation about these two episodes which were very different one from another Mm -hmm. I, I really would like to know more of why we're seeing the what, but I'm not getting the why. And for me, while it was a little more interesting than previous episodes, especially mm-hmm. when Harmony Covell, uh, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Mrs. Selvig, gets fired and her reaction to that 
was um, interesting. I, I, yeah. I don't know. The episode moved things a little bit further along. But again, my biggest complaint about this series, aside from the sluggish pace, is that there's no why. It's all what. And in order to be invested in the what, mm. I have to have a little bit of the why. Yeah, I completely understand. There's a lot of weird things that happen during this episode. Obviously, Mrs. Selvig, um, she takes the firing very poorly, as would, you know, most people, but she turns kind of from this cold, calculated individual with an air of mystery to her to kind of a loose cannon a little bit and somebody that's actually very annoying, in my opinion, um, really towards these last couple episodes. Um, Mark and uh, his uh, Mark and his uh, wife they don't remember one another um, when he does the wellness check. And additionally, um, this kind of starts the spark of romance between Helly and Mark on the inside. So I guess that's hinting at something perhaps bigger for next season. But, um, you know, additionally, this is the waffle party episode. You know, we're talking about these incentives the entire time. And Dylan loves these incentives, you know, the finger traps, the waffle parties, the this and that. So, what did you think of this waffle party that he went to around the perpetuity wing? This, this was crazy. Only one word, bizarre. Yeah. bizarre. So they take him into this, I guess, near or into the shrine mm-hmm. uh, of, of who's the president Egan. or the founder of Lumen. E- yeah, Egan. And he has a couple of waffles and then, uh, shall we say, certain characters start dancing uh to try and satisfy his desires Um, i don't know what i don't even know what it is he's just eating waffles and then he finishes and then these i I guess these you know dancers with masks masks that are you know wolves like sheep goats something like that just kind of there's this weird montage sort of music scene that cuts between different characters but you see this dancing and it's just like what in the world is going on like who would actually ever enjoy something like that even if you were crazy enough to work at lumen um so that was more of those hey look how weird this is ambiguity is still here but there's no i mean there's nothing to necessarily explain it and i'm fine when things obviously are not always explained or you know leave you hanging a little bit but Sometimes things don't have to be weird just for the sake of being just weird. There was no real reason for this part to happen. You're just kind of like, okay, once it ends. So again, uh, I want to know the why. And the other thing that really surprised me about this is, first of all, it reminded me of, uh, what's that film? Eyes Wide Shut with uh, uh, um, Nicole Kidman and and Tom Cruise mm. from, I don't know, 20 years ago. But it's almost as though, okay, so if this is what a waffle party entails, he just ups and bolts and gets out of there. And those dancers look for just a moment quizzically as if to say, well, what are we going to do? But there's no follow through. They just stay in there and he is free to roam through Lumen with all these cameras, presumably all around this facility mm-hmm. to get to the control room. Yeah. And he gets into the control room, which I mean, apparently when your number one security guard dies, you just don't do anything about it for a little while. um, And you don't up your security. I have to say Lumen for how locked down it is and for how crazy of a sort of process and idea severance is. I mean, Mr. Milchek 
is the single hall monitor of the entirety of this. And I, I have to say, everybody is out of their office roaming through the halls, <laughs> you know, free to do whatever they want, pretty much, whether it is hanging yourself in an elevator, whether it is intentionally leaving to go explore new things, whether it is just going to optics and design, whether it is escaping from your new locked door, automatic door hatch that they set up for you. No security will ever work here. Um, and it's just amazing to think that it's so easy to bypass all of these measures. But that aside, Dylan gets basically, you know, everybody makes a plan and Dylan figures out uh, how to um, shut off sort of like the severance chip necessarily in order for people, maybe their innies to become part of their outies or something like that. Just basically shut it off and give people their memory back or sort of put their innies in their outside spaces. So that's kind of where that episode leaves off. And it was interesting enough because you're like, okay, we're finally getting to the climax of the uh, season so far. But overall, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It, it gets it gets a little bit strange because Rickon has like a book reading party, I guess, for his new book or something like that. And everybody is at this party. And then Mark is trying to tell his sister because he comes back into well, his Annie comes into his like Audi form. Huh. So and that's like kind of a crazy thing, right? Because everybody, everybody ends up doing that. Heli at her function. Um, and then um Irving as well. So Irving discovers that his crush on the inside, Bert, is actually married to somebody else when uh, he goes to his house. And then Dylan, I think, you know, he can't go back and see his son or anything like that. He's in the control room. But Mark doesn't really know who any of these people are, which adds like an extra layer of excitement. But Mrs. Selwig, who is Mrs. Cobell, I guess, on the outside, she's just annoying. She's always just over him like a hawk. And I mean, she's always checking in on him, always like right next to him. It's just like, oh my gosh, go away. Like she's, she's being so annoying. And um, I didn't, I, I thought her character was more of a nuisance rather than something interesting and maybe plotting. So by the end of episode eight, I was like, okay, fine. That was weird, but let's see where the next episode goes and hopefully it capitalizes off of it. So what, what are your final thoughts on episode eight? Yeah, my final thoughts are to just sort of reinforce what you said, the potential ramifications of disobedience, um, as somewhat articulated by Mr. Milchek, would seem to me that you would um, behave in this in this work environment for fear of some pretty rough retaliation, you know, mm -hmm. another visit to the break room for some other crazy conversation or lack thereof. But as you say, these characters are roaming freely around Lumen. And and exactly how many are there? I just, what again, I see what's going on. I just don't know why. Now, um, we get to the conclusion of episode eight. And, um, you know, Mrs. Selwig or Harmony Covell uh, has just gone crazy because she's been dismissed. Mm -hmm. And I never really fully understood why she was dismissed. You just said it, but I thought, oh, okay. And let's be real. The thing that we don't know about Mrs. I mean, she's basically the biggest enigma of all mm -hmm. because she's Harmony Covell at Lumen. Mm -hmm. She is Mrs. Selvig outside of Lumen, mm -hmm. but she is neither any nor Audi because she knows 
her Audi knows what her Innie does and vice versa. Right. There's a privileged few like Mr. Milchek and I'd imagine the executives uh, at Severance, but also her that don't have that. They basically go to, they have their memories, you know, they're not severed. And I think maybe so they're in on whatever is going on. I just don't know what's going on. Right. And I think we get a little bit more of that explained in episode nine, perhaps, um, because I think the entirety of the reason why Heli was there in the first place is predicated around what we learned in episode nine. So how many Z's would you give episode eight? All right. Well, I'm just going to do this. Episodes one through eight. I'm going to grade it and I'm going to ask you to do the same. Sure. And then I'm going to ask you to grade as after we talk about episode nine, mm-hmm. the final episode of the season, what your overall uh, rating is of this. Sure. So my overall rating of episodes one through eight on a scale of one to five Z's, mm-hmm. I'm going to give it one and a half Z's. Okay. 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 So that roughly equates to what? Two and a half stars or three? Yeah. Or uh, two and a half, three out of 10. Yes. Gotcha. Not gotcha. a big fan at this point. Um, all right. Yeah. Episodes one through eight for me, I'd probably give uh, two stars overall. Uh, okay. Definitely a lot of more, a lot more misses than hits, but um, I was able to enjoy some things more than you, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, you know, not ringing praise, not, you know, singing the praises of this uh, series yet, which is why I'm excited to get into episode nine. Me so, too. Obviously, major spoilers here. <laughs> I mean, you if you're listening to this, you've probably at least seen the series. So essentially, each of the main characters, innies, are awakened into their Audi world. And we learn that Heli is at this Lumen convention keynote presentation of some sort. It's very important. We see a couple other characters before that are high-ranking executives that are basically, you know, close to her or friends with her and saying, you know, you're going to do a great job. And she has to do this keynote presentation. And we learn that she is um, a daughter of an Egan. We learn that she's an Egan herself. So she is by family related to, you know, the top person at the company of Lumen. And she was used as an experiment to sort of show that severance was something that even the daughter of one of, of like the CEO can do essentially benefit from exactly, exactly. So it's just kind of saying, Hey, you know, you might be thinking that it might just be a choice for some people, or it might just be this for some people, but um, you know, in order to gain your trust, it's just even my own daughter can do it and she wanted to do it. So that's just great PR for Lumen or something like that. So that was an interesting sort of reveal. And we learned that Egan um, is alive. He's like super old and um, he's her father or grandfather. I'm not sure. Um, but he, I think he passively alludes to, he talks about her when she was a child and everything. And I think he passively alludes to sort of, becoming a being reborn in some sort of way maybe in like a new mind because i feel like he mentioned something like he'll be there for the next generation of whatever so there might be a little bit more to the story that would be revealed in season two um so i mean that's kind of like a big mic drop moment though right you learn that heli is planted there but it was by her own accord so it seems 
when she started out, but, but we've gotten bits and pieces of that, right? She's watched her video and then she tried to get back out. And then her Audi said, no, as much as you think you want to be out, you don't want to be. So we finally learn where that all pays off here. Um, so that's like the big reveal of this episode. what did you think of that? Uh, well, I think you know that by the end of episode eight, I said, I think I'm, I'm, no, I didn't say I'm, I think I'm, I said, I'm definitely not into this for mm-hmm. a second season. And I have to say that, you know, first of all, I'm not sure if we made clear to our listeners that maybe we did that now that Helly and Mark and Irv or Irving um, are, they're in their Audi world as, are they in their Audi world? Is there any, they're in their Audi world. As they're any, as they're in, they have the any minds in the Audi world and they're aware of it. So they, I mean, because they knew that was going to happen because that's what, what's his name is doing in the control room. Uh, Dylan is essentially, you know, okay. Yeah. Doing yeah he's that. holding. Yeah. He's in the control room, making sure that that happens. Now, what happens is um, it, I thought it was really picked up here in so many ways. And I found it to be very, very, very interesting and and fascinating what was going on. And honestly, my heart started to race because I really wanted certain outcomes, which I knew weren't going to happen, right? Because, you know, Mm -hmm. we know we have a season two coming. But Mark is at Rickon's party, the book party. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Selvig arrives because she has been serving as a, a... for lack of a better term, a nursemaid or a lactate um, facilitator for consultant. Yes, for Mark's sister who is having who just had the baby, and at that point in time, she realizes because she is interacting with Mark that Mark's Mark is behaving as his any in the Audi world. So she puts the baby down. We don't know if she's taken the baby. She does not take the baby. And she calls Milchik and redeems herself, presumably as an employee of Lumen, because she has identified that something is going on and the characters or the people who are innies are now aware of themselves in the Audi world. If I haven't confused our listeners, I never will. (laughs) Yeah. That made for a heart racing tense really exciting fascinating turn of events for me in this episode yes because you find that mrs selvig races to this gala to keep heli from saying anything that would be uh uncouth or bad for the company right and um she actually makes it to her and then threatens her big time um and then you kind of learn that you're thinking, oh, is Helly going to do it? Is she not? But I mean, she goes to town on limits. She's saying everything that they've done is a lie. And, you know, they're controlling people for their own, you know, nefarious purposes in front of a giant crowd of people at, you know, high ranking people at this gala. And then finally, the episode ends where Mark's any realizes that he was married to the wellness counselor, Miss Casey, and he screams basically in slow motion that she's alive to his sister before Mr. Milchek tackles Dylan and they are all reverted back to where they were before. So that's kind of where things leave off. So 
everybody's any discovers something in their Audi form or causes some kind of, um, you know, sort of crazy thing to happen. But at the very end, their any form is cut from their Audi form. So it would be that basically their Audis are still going to be their Audis. And they're probably going to be like, well, what's going on here? You know, and then the consequences will happen to them in that way. I thought this episode was fantastic. In fact, you'll recall that at the conclusion of it, we called you to say, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And honestly, I had heard that it it sort of led to uh, one heck of a conclusion. And I would really, frankly, call that an understatement. I, I thought, okay, this was actually worth it to get to this episode. And I really enjoyed it. And uh, I even said to you, okay, after all of that, episodes one through eight saying, I am not into this, I am not into this. After episode nine, I am totally down for season two. So how's that for a turn of events? I know, a real late game winner there for you. Wow. Um, I mean, I've got to find out what happens. I mean, I just have to. And and Grace had said, it's, it's a real cliffhanger. And boy, was she right. It's, it is a cliffhanger. I am really excited about season two. And an hour before I watched this episode, I would have never thought that, never said that, and never believed I would have said that 60 minutes later. Yeah, I'm very, very interested to see how this can go because at a certain point, you gotta, you can't recycle the stuff from episode one. It's just like, okay, there's a few possibilities. Maybe Lumen will just pretend that none of this happened and have them work as they usually do just to make them think that, you know, nothing's wrong, or maybe they'll face a huge amount of consequences and we'll learn more about the testing floor and, you know, what Lumen can really do to you. Um, So I'm hoping there will be more consequences in season two that don't include the break room or just a slap on the wrist. Yeah, I really want to know more about the inner workings of how Lumen is evil and, you know, essentially how these how you know these characters will create a revolution to sort of bring the company down for its um nefarious practices so i i don't know where that will go and hopefully it will be fresh and it won't just be kind of like something where it's like oh they're starting over again or it's some kind of like cheap follow-up to what happened but i mean if anything it was a good cliffhanger i'll admit um it didn't make me like say to myself oh i need to watch season two it made me kind of think to myself well Maybe I'll just read about what happens. But if anything, I think I can give season two the first few episodes a watch and see if I like it. But it sounds like it really came out of nowhere for you. And I'm really glad to hear that. It really did. Is it is it worth many weeks of of um, frustration? <laughs> Not sure about that. But on a scale of one to five Z's, Noah, what would you give Severance season one? Season one? Um two stars out of five two z's out of five wow i was gonna give it three z's out of five just for this episode alone that final episode really turned it around for me i mean i I, what i think i liked so much about it was i actually got some kind of payoff it was arduous going episodes one two three four five six seven eight but then when we got to nine i finally got a payoff that was almost, almost worth the pain or the agony 
of episodes one through eight. Well, usually it's the opposite too. You know, a a lot of people are, uh, you know, love shows, but they're disappointed by the finale or wrap up or conclude. And that's become kind of a recurring theme in many types of ways. And honestly, sometimes that can mar the legacy of some of the most well-received shows. I mean, Game of Thrones and Dexter, and I think Lost, just to name a few. A lot of people who, you know, love those yeah. yeah, millions of people watch those shows, but the legacy is somewhat tarnished because of just how people received the ending. Um, well, and at a certain point, too, there's no way a series can can really satisfy the the re- resolution of a series can satisfy the majority. I mean, well, maybe it can satisfy the majority, but it can't can't satisfy everyone. Personally, I liked Dexter all the way through. Um, I watched Game of Thrones up until I think the end of season four or so, and um, I didn't watch the rest of it. Uh-huh. But I, I know a lot of people. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like the ending, but I know some people who are totally fine with all the seasons. So it just depends on who you ask. All right, so there you have it, folks. Believe it or not, when it comes to Severance season one, Greg likes it better than Noah. I'm giving it three Z's. Noah's giving it two Z's. Yeah. Um, Episode nine didn't really do it for me nearly as much as I think it did for you. Um, I You're thought it was critic. Z. What's that? You're a tough critic. Well, it's not just that. Where I do you like... get that? I feel like I've. Where do you get that? <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've seen. I, I, I don't necessarily feel like you know Severance is something that's copying a lot of other things. It has a lot of original ideas, but I just don't really feel like it had that impact for me for some reason. Um, I need I mean... to give it. I need to get a why out of it very early in season two or i may not finish season two and i think that's fair right because if anything if they can grab you at the end and basically entice you to watch uh encourage you to watch another season then they should at least be able to grab you in the first few episodes but we'll see we will see all right all right um and i can already tell you that we will not be reviewing severance season two on the pod no it Uh, might be a check it out or it might be uh don't even bother we'll let you know either way all right, Speaking cool. Check it out. Yes, let's get that into our segue. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Let's get into check it out. So, um, I went to go see a movie last night, and I would recommend it to pretty much any fan of the genre. It's a Smile, thriller. Like it. It's a thriller slash horror movie, and it's called Smile. Um, this one, this one is different. It really is. Um, horror movies are kind of a dime a dozen these days. I've seen tons of them, and most of the time. I don't even go into them expecting them to be that good because they're just entertaining at the end of the day. Right. And it's fun to watch it with your friends or just, you know, by yourself. It just depends. But um, so four of us went to go see this movie smile yesterday after uh, the original showing getting canceled by the hurricane. And I have to say, this is probably one of the best movies I've seen all year and probably the best horror movie overall, because I mean, better than barbarian you know i'm gonna need more time with this one but i think my initial walking out of the theater i liked this more than barbarian but um yeah the thing i like about this movie a lot without going into too much detail is the viral marketing campaigns that you know they've got people smiling creepily with smile shirts on and just you know giant public places and it's sort of touted as this oh you know you see the trailer and you sort of think of it in one way but it actually has a much it has much more substance than you would realize. I think it's pretty expertly shot, edited, and um, very well acted as well. 
And it's more than just the cheesy thrill ride that you might be expecting initially. Cause my friends and I had our reservations about it, but we love going to see horror movies, but check out smile. It came out on September 30th. So I guess this past Friday, um, if you do like horror movies at all, it's actually a pretty, pretty darn good one to see. So um, check that out. All right. So here's my question. If I have, op- I have time for one movie and it's down to barbarian or smile, which one do I do? Man, I feel like I'd recommend smile because I feel like you'd like that more, but I don't know. You might like barbarian. I, I would probably, I would probably recommend smile, but right. I think you should see both. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. So for my check it out, do you want a TV series or do you want a film? Uh, let's go for a film. All right. Last night I finally finished Elvis, the 2022 this year biopic. Oh, um, wait, isn't that streaming somewhere? Yeah, it's on uh, uh, HBO Max. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. And so I watched, so it's an hour, it's two hours and 40 minutes or so, which is why I could not go see it in the theater, of course. Mm-hmm. And I know you saw it in the theater. Luke saw it in the theater twice. Your mom saw it in the theater. I'm not a big Elvis fan. I'm really not a Be- Buzz Larman, Larman fan. Is that how you say it? Baz Lerman? Lerman, yeah. I mean, I think he's talented, but that's just not my, my I don't know, my thing. But um, so there were a lot of things going against this for me. And I watched the first hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes in one setting uh, or sitting. And then I watched the final hour uh, yesterday. And the final hour begins when he arrives in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. The first hour and 40 minutes, I thought were quite good. Um, I really enjoyed them. And I was looking forward to finishing the film. I was kind of surprised that I it was wildly creative. I thought the performances were relatively strong. A lot of people don't like Tom Hanks in the role, and I, I kind of understand why. Yeah. Um, but it, it's there's a create there's a creative. Um, I don't know. Uh, the film is very creatively done, and that's that's Buzz Lerman. Um, his, however you say it. So don't <laughs> don't laugh at me. Anyway, long story short. I thought the film was better than I would have expected, but disappointing in the end, largely because I thought the lost out the last hour, I cannot believe I'm going to say this, felt rushed. All of a sudden, we're in Vegas, and then all of a sudden, it all starts to come together in the end. And, I mean, he hadn't been taking any drugs until he got to Vegas, per the film. He, um, you know, hadn't been sort of tied to vegas until his first performance there according to the film there were just a lot of things that i can't believe that in 60 minutes i would actually say felt like it was rushed but in my mind it was rushed and ultimately i think the film um, disappointed me as a result disappointed me is probably an overstatement i would probably give it uh, on a scale of one to five z's i would probably give it three z's okay so you would say check it out Maybe two and a half. I would say it's worth checking out, even if you're not an Elvis fan, even if you're not, you know, um, a fan of biopics. I think they're getting overdone now, too. You know, there's several more coming out, uh, one for Whitney Houston, one for Madonna, one for others. And it's just sort of uh, Madonna's okay. still alive. I think that might be a first with those. He's biopics. directing it. So beware. Oh, are you serious? Oh, uh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, no, um, I would say Rocket Man was pretty good. And Elton John's still around. So, um, yeah, I didn't love that, but I did like, um, the one that nobody else likes the Freddie Mercury one. Okay. Everybody went to go see that. That made like a billion dollars. It was so good. It was so good. Um, I did not like Elvis, uh, full disclosure, but I didn't like it at all, but I thought it would have worked much better as a mini series. Uh, Mm -hmm. because like you said, 
there's only so much you can tell in two hours and what, 20 minutes or so. So 40. two hours and 40 minutes. That's a long time for a movie, but you're going to gloss over the man warts and all and not really be able to give the full picture of who he was yeah. when you just put it in movie form. But then again, maybe that wasn't the aim of the movie. It was just to introduce him, I think, to maybe a newer crowd of people. And that's worked to varying degrees. I think a lot of people my age knew Elvis songs, but they didn't know the man himself. And so I think it added sort of a layer of celebrity and mystique to him that people really appreciated. But Austin Butler did an excellent job, I'll admit. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people found the film tragic, and I can certainly see why. But again, I wasn't enough. I didn't have enough of an emotional investment in the film and in the character mm -hmm. to really feel um, the loss or the sadness that a lot of people felt, especially your mom. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Elvis was still around when uh, uh, you were a kid, right? Yes. 1977, he passed away. And I remember that day. So yeah. but again, I was not, I think your mom grew up more of an Elvis fan than I, I couldn't name more than three or five songs of Elvis, but she was singing them all as we were watching the final hour. Just like John Lennon as well, right? Uh, how much you... <laughs> Who was John Lennon? I don't know. No, I know well, that's who John exactly is. what you said. To our listeners, I know who John Lennon is, but if you go back and listen to our full catalog of episodes, you will understand to what Noah refers. All right. All okay. right. Well, with that in mind, uh, thank you for listening to another episode this week. We really appreciate it. That concludes our TV series sort of breakdown run. We're going back. We're going back. Yes, but um, while it was a noble experiment, we kind of got in over our heads and probably... Uh, uh, probably should have at least screened it a little bit more before doing this but now you know what we thought of severance and uh if it's worth watching and if you liked it enough or didn't like it at all you at least have an opinion to compare it to so seemed like a good idea at the time yeah, yeah. so thank you again uh i'm Noah. i'm greg and this is easy talk